Hello and welcome to Plotris. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're talking about Falling Stars by Loretta Chase. So this is part of our 12 Days of Christmas and this is a nice little novella by one of our favorite romance authors. Absolutely. And this was published in 2015 and as far as I know it's not based on any one of her series. It's just a standalone. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's not in a series. It's a standalone. I believe it was uh, initially published in an anthology as most of these are, but I just liked Lord of Chase so much that I just bought it. I don't blame you. It was it was cute. It was very cute. It was. I was not disappointed to spend two dollars on this. No, oh, I'll totally put it that way. Two dollars for mm -hmm. sure. Um, so the book jacket is really short, and I sort of wonder with these novellas that are published as parts of anthologies where these book jackets come from. Yeah, I know. Because it's not like there's a back of a book with like. Well, the I can tell you that these ones that we're reading came from Amazon. <laughs> oh, so there you go. Okay, perfect. <laughs> All right. Ten years ago, dashing Marcus Grayson and naive Christina Travers fell madly in love and parted in anger. Now, wiser and more seasoned, both know better than to trust the wayward impulses of the heart. But some feelings never fade, and the joys of Christmas and family just might rekindle a certain special spark. I mean, that's it. You don't. You really don't need more. Did you like my Hallmark Channel voice? I did. Okay. You want to know what? I actually talked about this quite a bit. This is a Hallmark Channel novella. Yes. But with some sex, so I liked it. Yeah, I actually would be totally fine if they adapted this one. Uh-huh. Except I wouldn't want to watch the kids. Uh, well, see, I well, I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't mind the kids if they got some cute kids. But there's four of them. There are a lot, of, there are a lot of kids. this like hundred page novella into an hour and a half Hallmark movie. I'm just saying, I think it'd be more of them than you wanted. This is possible, but you would want. Well, let's do our book jacket because it ha just so happened that the random number this time was two. So I think we're gonna finish this one really quickly. Oh yeah. So my two word summary is second chance, and mine was Christmas magic. Yep. I mean, like that's this is what it is. It's second chance plus Christmas magic. That's what you get. Yep. I mean, those are the tropes. We have got second chance romance. She has, so uh, we'll talk about the plot along with the tropes like we usually do just because it kind of comes out in the plot. Basically, uh, the gentleman's name is Marcus yes. and the lady's name is Christina. Yes. And Marcus and Christina met 10 years prior at his brother's wedding to her good friend. Exactly. And so they met at a wedding. They met at a wedding, but they were they were both there like for two weeks before the wedding. And I think that was pretty common yeah. in high society back then. But so they fall immediately into lust. Oh, it's like immediate. He sees her from, well, hold on. She is apparently like the most ethereal, beautiful person ever. Her eyeballs are silver yeah. and blue. Yeah. Like everything about her is just amazing. Okay, so th this is my reference for ethereal and beautiful is the movie Lady Hawk. I don't know if you've ever seen. If you I have not it. seen it, you should watch it. Okay, it is like no, it's top Michelle Pfeiffer hotness. So this is like from the 1980s. I was about to say. Okay, 90s. so we're you got to go back. Throw it back. But there's this part where she turns around in the dusk and she turns around in the gloom and like looks back she's wearing a dark cloak and just her face is like shining through the dusk and the dimness and she is like the most beautiful thing that you've ever seen okay for me this is the epitome of female beauty is michelle pfeiffer in lady hawk and so that's why i imagine that's what christina travers is in this book <laughs> i buy it 
So. So she's like stunning. He sees her from across the room. He is described as a golden god. Yes, he's also amazing, but he has a very bad reputation. And he, it's not bad in the sense of he's like a womanizer or a playboy. It's bad in the sense of he's gauche. Yes. He speaks his mind. He doesn't have any time for propriety. So he's kind of just viewed as very inappropriate. Yes. And they're both very young. They're both he, very she's young. 24 mm -hmm. and she's 18. Right. And her parents are incredibly overprotective. And unbeknownst to him, she was betrothed to a family friend. Yeah. Or on the point of betrothal. Like there's an understanding. Right. So maybe not a formal announcement, but an un exactly an understanding. So they, they see each other, immediately fall in love. She actually approaches him in the mm -hmm. garden. And at first he's going to turn away, but then he thinks, why not throw caution to the wind? And they immediately fall into this... They, they see each other in dark Lusty. corners and the libraries. But it doesn't seem to be super physical their no. relationship which is I mean it's very cute like she's 18 and he's 24 so it makes sense that they didn't immediately start making out in corners and especially given that they were meeting under the pretenses they were in the time period they were they talk about politics mm -hmm. and his dreams and her dreams and the bottom line is they fall apart for spoiler plot reasons that basically just involve she's betrothed to someone else basically and well and also it actually made me think a little bit of the day of the duchess yes because so part of the reason that they're sort of running around and keeping this a secret is because of his reputation and her overprotective parents right tropes 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 but if he had come out and courted her respectably, who knows what could have happened. Neither a confident would have worked. No. But who knows, right? But who knows? He, he didn't. And so, of course, after this, he is so betrayed. Yes, so... And she goes off and marries this, marries other, this person. other guy. And so he's lived with her, her betrayal for 10 years, and she's lived with his horrible comments. Yes, upon so... Upon ending it for 10 years. He was very cruel. Very. Yes. And he wrote it down. This isn't a note. That he sent. Yeah. Look, guys, we have all written a note like this. Just don't send it. Like, pack it away. Do not put it in an envelope. Do not put a stamp on it. <laughs> don't address don't it. Don't do it. Don't. Just yeah. don't. Don't do that. Write it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know about you, Lane. I have definitely written notes like this. I think I've, like, journaled these concepts. Yes. But I don't think I've addressed, like, a Dear John letter. Yes. Well, I certainly have. Okay. And luckily, I did not send it. Good. Yes. So don't do it. Don't, don't do send it. it. But so in general, don't do it. In yeah. summary. But yeah, so they met under these circumstances, parted on bad terms. It's 10 years later. Her husband died two or three years ago. She's visiting her friend for Christmas before she and a beloved aunt moved to the continent mm -hmm. for a period because she just has to get away from the overbearing family now mm -hmm. that she's a widow. She had twin girls mm -hmm. with her dearly departed husband. The who, cutest little twin girls. Who looked just like their mother. Of course. And her marriage wasn't unhappy. It just wasn't a love match. Right. Or a lust match. Right. And he spent the intermediate 10 years getting trope, roll rich. <laughs> right? Of course. Of course. Not that there was an issue with his wealth before. But, but he now he's like super rich. And you get the, the implication is that his brazenness and irrespectability is sort of the same tr are the same traits that got him yes into positions where he was able to make his fortune. Definitely. Definitely. So they she's there 
because she's kind of in hiding in this period between leaving her husband's home and waiting for her aunt to come get them to move to the continent. And he's there because it's his brother's house and it's Christmas and he wasn't supposed to come, but he just got this feeling. Yeah. Yes. That he, he did. needed to go. He got this feeling and he saw a falling star. No, he didn't see it. They both have seen falling stars. Yes, but that night it was only her daughters. He didn't realize he came on a falling star. They told this him he did. Oh, that's right. He arrived with the falling stars. Yeah. He sees some falling stars later. And he also saw them with her 10 years ago. Yes, 10 years ago. Falling stars play heavily. This name is not an accident. No, it absolutely is not. I mean, basically, it's super cheese, super Hallmark movie. Yes. But in a good way. Oh, there's no such thing as a bad way. <laughs> Look, I do not watch Hallmark movies. Hallmark is not my favorite. I've explained this to you. In the hierarchy of made-for-TV Christmas movies, Hallmark is actually really low. Tell me. Uh, right now, Netflix, number one. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm behind the times, guys. Historically, I really like ABC Family ones. Okay. Lifetime's King and Hallmark's can both get a little too religious Christmas That's for fair, me. That's fair, yeah. So. In this one, she skips the, the Christmas mass. Uh, mass. To have sex in a bar. <laughs> so, um, I liked that part. Really? <laughs> Big surprise. <laughs> Big shock. But yeah, a sweet story about them basically reuniting on accident this Christmas season. Yeah. And recovering from past lights. Yeah. And taking off their pants. Yeah. Offensiveness, anti-feminist. What you got, Lane? I got nothing. Okay, only thing I would say is he is going to the house knowing his nephews are there. Mm-hmm. And he has several thoughts about her daughters. Yes. And how different it is yes. to be around them and how they're dainty little dolls he wants to protect and he can't stand to, like, let them out of his sight and let them do anything. And he gets so upset when they get... And it's... Yeah, but he... It's, I definitely, you're supposed to read it as the, like, the reader that he's immediately feeling like these children's father. Yes. And that is the difference between that and his feelings for his nephews. But it doesn't change the fact that the language he counts it in is dainty little girls. This is true, but something I liked about it is that Christina has felt like a dainty little girl her whole life and was treated that way by her husband and her husband's family. Mm -hmm. And even if he might feel that way or think that, he doesn't stop the girls from doing anything. No, but he does hover and sure. stay closer to them than we with the boys. And like, I don't know. It's not like crazy offensive. You just yeah. asked if there was anything. And sure. there was a couple of moments in this one where I went, oh, yeah. thinking of little girls as untouchable dolls is yeah. not my favorite. It didn't bug me because of how it played out. That's fair. So that's, what, that's all I got to say about it. Y you know me, the cheese factor appeals to me a little less. So I think the fact that he was being such a good dad to the girls is not the thing that's going to like resonate with me. Yeah. Look, I'm a mom. I would love that. What can I say? <laughs> Her husband is still alive. Julian, run for the hills. My husband is... Oh, stop it. Uh, if, if Julian were to die, which he won't, I'm just saying if my husband did die and then I had to get remarried. A Greek for some god reason. who was really into your kid would like be great. Well, I wouldn't want them to be really into my kid. You know, like feel really paternally yes. towards your child. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm All not right. like promoting pedophilia. <laughs> no, no. I mean, this is taking a dark turn. Oh my God. <laughs> There's no hint of pedophilia anywhere. No, not at all. Zero. Yes. Um, okay, sexiness. I mean, 
Yeah. Look, this is a Loretta Chase novella. novella. So I wasn't expecting anything intense. But it was it was really nice for but what was, you got. It was. Yeah. It was. Um, yeah, they were cute together. Yes. I liked, they really bantered. Yes. And it did a little bit of a thing that I find annoying where it tells you what they talk about rather than showing the conversation a couple of times. But you definitely got the idea that they were compatible. Yes. Well, and I also liked that he talked to her about things that she wasn't able to talk about. She hadn't been able to talk about these things for 10 years when he left. Right. So he talked about talked to her about politics, about ideas that he thought were maybe a little risque. Not risque in the sense of like a dirty joke, but more like things that women weren't supposed to talk about. Right. And he treated her like a person. Yes. So... No, but and that was, nice. was all. I think that if I had one criticism of this book in seriousness, because ultimately, like, okay, he's a little too doting on little girls. This is a book in the 1800s. Yeah. Um, it's a little low on the Christmas content for me. That You know, that's true. That's true. You know, we got some Christmas magic with them all having fairy dust eyes and him coming on a falling star, but with the exception of her skipping Christmas mass and, like, an allusion to them wrapping presents, for a Christmas novella, this only gets, like, one out of five candy canes. Lane. They awaken her twins on Christmas morning with the greatest Christmas gift of all that mom and Uncle Marcus are getting married. Yeah, but they didn't hit the Christmas part of that home for me. <laughs> I'm okay, just for, for this is the perfect amount of Christmas magic for me, Meg. It did not. I rise. need a gingerbread cooking <laughs> decorating scene. I need a Christmas tree assembly scene. I need like decking the halls and yes. hanging the boughs. I like give me the Christmas. Did not rise to that level for and Lane. It just, apparently, this was a very like blue and bright white Christmas, not a red and green Christmas. That's fair, and that's the perfect kind of Christmas for me. So, you decide, dear listener, what kind of Christmas level you want. Yeah. Do you want a low key Christmas? You know, where you're going to go to the abandoned barn, where there's a meteor shower, and totally do it with this hot Greek god. On Christmas Eve. On Christmas Eve, and then awaken your children the next day by saying, we're getting married, he's going to be your dad. This was cute. Or, or would you like that same scene, but under the mistletoe in front of a Christmas tree on a velvet rug? Yes. That, that's the, the, yeah, this is very true. Which one would you rather have if you prefer the first option? This book will be perfect for you. This book would have been perfect for me with just a little more jingle to my bells. <laughs> well, as usual, we really enjoy this podcast. We love making it for you. So if you're enjoying it as much as we do, please rate, review, and subscribe. Happy holidays.